everyone. Welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorian McKenna. And today we're going to talk to you emerging writers out there. So like, let's say you're just starting out. You want to be a screenwriter. Now what? Yes. Where do you begin? So before we do that, we're going to be talking about our weeks or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Meg, how was your week? Uh, my week, well, I'm packing to go on a trip and I hate everything I own and it's completely filling me with anxiety. <laughs> and because now I'm like, oh, my butt looks so fat in these pants. Why do I even own them? And, you know, I'm just kind of having an anxiety spiral about it. But, you know, when I have nightmares, if I'm, if, you know, everybody has certain nightmares that you have if you're anxious or worried. Mine is standing in a closet trying to figure out what to wear while the party's going on downstairs. <laughs> and I can't figure it out. And then I finally, the party's over and I miss the whole thing. So I'm living my nightmare right now. Don't miss the um, party, Meg. Don't I'm miss gonna, the party. I have to, I'm getting on the plane. I, whatever I put in the suitcase, which is what always happens, I just start to numb out and throw things in a suitcase and I zip it up. But um, what I th why this is relevant at all screenwriting is I'm realizing I do the same thing with my projects. It's like I'm two people. There's the person who planned this trip which was like this dreamer, I'm going for it. Nobody's going to stop me. I'm going to Africa and I'm going to take my kids and it's going to be perfect and we're going to see lions and we're going to stay in a tent in the savannah and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to save my money so I can do it and I have all these big ideas and I go for it and I do it. And then the practical arrives and I'm like, I'm just filled with anxiety. I'm like, wait a minute, I have to get on a prop plane. Wait a minute, I I don't I don't I have to take all get shots. Wait a minute, there's going to be animals in a tent. Wait, does there going to be people with guns helping us? Like, what if my kids get eaten by a lion? Like, it's just like this tidal wave of doubt and anxiety about the trip is just hitting me in the face. But it's the same when I write. Like, I'm going to do this project. It's going to be great. I'm going to do it so well. And I know exactly what I like. And I'm connected to it. And I fight to get the project if it's a rewrite or whatever. And then, of course, the, the okay, everybody leaves and it's like, okay, do it. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Why did I do this? Why did I take this project? I don't I don't know how to do this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I do this every time. Get out of the time. closet and go to the party. Oh, my God, I do it every time. And it's really hard for me in my writing to get out of the closet. It's real. I love the big like go for it and get it. But then I end up in the closet. And I end up sitting. And by the way, if I am super stressed or have a terrible thing happen to me, you will find me sitting in a closet. I don't know what this is from my childhood, but that's where I go. I sit on shoes. Like if you're closet. at someone else's house, do you go in their closet? <laughs> no, but that would be good. Uh, see, that's a good you scene. You could build in a new that's house a good like a scene. special anxiety closet I that has all the stuff closet? you need, like <laughs> snacks and a book you like, a little rug on the floor. Like oh, once closet. I, I had a very bad day when my son was like five and I was in my closet and he came in and sat down and patted my leg. He just Aww. sat there with me and patted my leg. Anyways, sometimes in the writing process, I get into the closet and I just get overwhelmed with all the doubts and my ability to do it. And I don't actually know what to write and what is words, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, And then you just have to go to the party, don't you? You do. I'm just going to get on the plane. I'm going to be yeah. anxious the moment that the plane door closes and then I'm not going to be anxious anymore because the plane's going. Like, what am I going to do? I just have to do it. Whatever. It's the same with writing. Once I get going, once I can get some pages going, once I can barf out the worst version, all that anxiety starts to go down. Not com never leaves completely, but 
because you're just doing it. So just, yeah. just do it. So that's totally, my week. I totally get that. I, you know, when I was packing for Paris, I was like the fantasy version of me who was going to be in Paris, who was magically going to be, have some other body and be some other human being and have all these amazing clothes. And so I just packed everything black and some clothes I've never worn that I thought in Paris, I'll wear these things. And I was so agi- pre-agitated about like what I was going to wear in Paris, you know, it's all fashionable. And I got there and I just put on my regular clothes. And then I realized I'm in Paris. It does not matter what I'm wearing like oh, at all. Right. I needed a scarf. So I bought a $7 scarf near the Eiffel Tower because it was freaking cold. But like, I didn't care what I look like because I was not as cold. Right. It Once you're there, like there's the fantasy version of that script you're going to write. And then you just you're writing. And, and yeah, and then it sucks be the and fantasy. it doesn't happen and you get by but my mosquitoes and yes. but you're taking your malaria tablets. So it's fine. And, <laughs> yes. you know, it's just like it's just life, man. Like sometimes the practical hits you in the face and you do it anyways. Like just yeah. do it anyways. Yeah. Um, The other thing I'd say just really quick is I rewatched E.T. because my son, who's 17, swore he's never seen it, which he has, but he doesn't remember um, and, you know, that movie holds up. And what's interesting to watch it as an adult, or an older person is, and especially as a writer, I can see all the themes that they're planting all over the place in terms of that father being gone. Like how I didn't see this before. The father is missing. The boys talk about it in the garage. Right. And then at the penultimate moment of the movie, when they're both sick, the little boy reaches out to E.T. and says, stay, I'm right here which is what he wanted his dad to say and do. Like, it's so like, and it's so simple. It's so simple and it's so much lava and it's so vulnerable, right? Just to have this little boy saying, stay, I'm right here. Stay, stay with me. I'm right here. It was amazing. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. And all this other fun stuff's going on, but it's all everything, 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 everything. The shots he's choosing, what he's including in scenes it's all about this this is what it's all about anyway so it it really holds up lovely all right Lorian, how was your week my week was uh i so i was reading back through a lot of old scripts that i've written that i like bailed on thinking what could, what could i resurrect like what is worth actually pulling back into the to-do pile. And I've been aware of this, but it really, really hit me that I write about women who are trapped in a belief system or a social construct that they believe to be true, like a system that was not built for them, that they are, something happens and they're forced then to, to figure out how to get out of it. Like very early Mm -hmm. on, like this is not reality. And then go doing whether I wrote this sci-fi one hour pilot, you know, and, and she has to go into this whole other world. And, and I realized that this week is very much that happening in my life. I have trapped myself in a reality that I have constructed, Mm -hmm. right? I have created, I have let all the pressures of my life, um, sort of force me into a belief system around being trapped when I am not, but, but it's hard to break out of that, mm. you know, cause of patterns and habits and, and I can write my characters out of it so fast because it's the fantasy. Oh, clearly by page 10, boom, she's out of that world and having to confront the, am I a monster or a hero? Right. And right now I'm in that and it's, I want to write myself out of it and I don't know how because I'm so trapped in it. Right. And uh, 
So just again, thinking about how you're talking about the parallels of your everyday and big event things and with your writing journey, I feel the same way. Like there's a reason I'm writing about these women. It just feels hot and painful to have this sort of like, well, fuck, (laughs) this is what it's like to be me. And this is what it's like to be me as a writer. And I have to sort this shit out so that I can keep writing because it's stopping me because of the trap I'm in, you know? So, you know, it's, uh, lava is hard. It's really, really hard because it's something I confront in like the everyday behavioral pattern stuff and belief systems. And then again, on the page and finding a safe enough space for that is the trick so that I can compartmentalize a little bit because right now it feels a little shreddy and I would not recommend writing into it when you're literally in the crisis of it. No, that feels very dangerous to me. Like I'm not going to write today. Today I need to do other things. Take a shower, go for a walk, talk to Meg again later. Right. If if there's trauma coming up, you know, that needs to be dealt with for yourself and your psyche and everything. And then when you're ready, you'll be able to, I do think the brain, is 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 hooking anybody's storyteller brain is hooking onto that stuff to try to work it out, mm-hmm. right? To see something mm-hmm. new, to yeah, break through the blind spot because I believe the highest self is not trapped at all, right? right. It's of course not. A, it's a belief system. Part, yeah, there's just another part of the brain that you know, and yours is trapped. Mine is abandonment. We all have our mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. but in a weird way, here's what's weird about it. We know how to be abandoned. I know how to be abandoned. Yes. I know what that feels like. And and so the trap actually is not wanting to give up that identity because. Yeah, absolutely. I, and then you just start recreating it over and over. But isn't that also can also be a character, right? Like yes. that's such an interesting character. Like, you know, when I deal with my abandonment, it's like my always my first question when I start to feel abandoned or get mad at somebody because they're abandoning me or whatever's coming up in my lava. I just go, wait a minute. Who's abandoning who right now? Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, as an adult. I'm abandoning that person first and second, I'm abandoning myself. Mm. Like I, I've gotten to a place that I can kind of catch it. Not every time my husband will say that's kind of bullshit and you don't catch it every time, but um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But the writing definitely helps. I I had a, a mentee once who um, she really, her characters were, had no agency, like none. They were like superheroes and they had no agency. And we just, I just gave her exercise after exercise. And it really did shift her thinking to have, if this character can have agency, then I can have agency. You know, it it really starts, it's such a beautiful thing, the storytelling process in terms of how it, yeah. the lava's hot, but the storytelling process can really help you work some stuff out too in terms yeah. of that. And I do like, you know, I write it into my characters and then I forget to deal with it in my real life. So sort of the opposite of your mentee. Um, but you're right about the trap. I'm trapping myself. I'm trapping other people in that cycle. And I'm self-aware. I know it's happening in some part of myself, but I'm still stuck in it. Anyway, I do want to talk a little bit about, though, we get a lot of questions about how do you write into the lava? How do you keep yourself safe? And um, again, don't write. I wouldn't recommend writing into the trauma actively, but it really is about figuring out how to keep yourself physically and mentally safe as a human being and as a writer, which, you know, are both human beings, but like your your real life self and your writer self both need to find ways to create a safe space to get in and out of it. Because once you open the gate, it 
it feels like it can kill you, but you want to be able to figure out how to close it again. And that's something that I continue to work on and all of us do, but writing into that hot, 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 when you're a little frazzled yourself, it, it can be dangerous. Like I said, I'm not writing today. I just yeah, have to give just, myself that rule. And you should have support around you. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, often when we say lava, we're not even talking about autobiographical. There is autobiographical and that writing. It can be very, if you if you have trouble getting into your lava, I recommend doing some autobiographical writing because it'll come up pretty dang quick. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is tricky. Sometimes the way I do it is I really keep concentrating on the character, not me. Like she's not me. Like I'll, she'll have some piece of her that's so the opposite of me right like she drives race cars well and i'm never going fast in a car ever but she like like she she's some that fantasy part right like we were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier Mm -hmm. of who i wish i could be right i wish i was a motorcycle riding fast adrenaline junkie that sounds fun but she inside of that is also abandonment and being you know that it's so it does create a, a She's not me. I'm not recreating totally. my trauma. It's so funny. The project that I picked to keep working on is this woman who's like this badass vigilante FBI agent who like breaks all the rules, which I would never do. I would never get a gun and shoot it and be a police officer. But like for me, she's all the badass stuff. It gives me permission to live in that fantasy and it's healing. So I'm like, there was another project I didn't pick to like sort of resurrect. So thank you for that, Meg. That's such a great I can have fun thinking about her. You just have fun. And that yeah. the lava can be in spurts and it can be bubbling as subtext. It doesn't have to be the context, yeah. right? It's yeah. just the subtext of whatever that pot is, like mine's abandonment yeah. and you, whatever yours is, it's just a pot that she'll, yeah. you know, what's driving her really, right? So that and concludes think- the mental health portion of my week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we were going to we get a lot of questions on the Facebook group from absolute beginners who are enthusiastically, which I love, declaring themselves as beginners and asking lots of questions, which I think is wonderful. And I love it. So we thought, well, maybe we should just do a whole show on this. Um, So, you know, a lot of the questions that people who want to become screenwriters, they literally start with where do I start? Right. Like, what do I what do I do? Um, So. My advice always is you have to learn the basics. Um, You have to learn them so you can forget them. You have to master them so you can forget them. Um, Does that mean if you just want to do a barf draft and not give a crap about the basics? Yeah, go ahead. I don't like if it's coming up, do however you want to do it, do it. But eventually you're going to have to take that lump of clay and you're going to have to mold it into uh, the basics would it be fair to say that when you have that lump of clay and you start sort of trying to figure out how to apply craft to it, it's about asking questions, right? It, it's instead yeah. of like laying over, it's more like, does my character have an arc, agency, a want? Uh, or is it, do you think that there's a different approach to learning? Well, I mean, that? I think it's how, again, how everybody's brain works. I generally do ask questions and then you can ask the character themselves, of course. But even I would back up to if you're really, truly a beginner, I do think you should take a class. And I think you should pick a class that makes you write. I would not pick a class that is just all talking at you because your brain isn't going to learn as much as having to immediately apply that 
class day into something. Um, Can I and, add that the mm -hmm. teacher is so critical when you're taking a class when you're a beginner? Get a recommendation from someone you trust that had a great experience in there that that has a similar vibe or you know, figure out who these people are, what they've done before, who they've worked with. If you have a bad teacher at the beginning, it can crush you. So, you know, make sure you find the right teacher for you. Yeah. And the way if you're saying, well, how do I do that? I mean, I think they use the extension is very good. They have a lot of Zoom classes now. There are beginner classes out there. Um, and but with hand in hand with this is it's not. And I think this is the hardest thing for truly beginning emerging writers to grasp is it's not one and done. It's not like I'm going to take one class, I'm going to write one draft, and then I'm going to hand it to a manager, and I'm going to get an agent, and someone's going to make it. I know that we want to believe that because it helps us start. So that naivete sometimes I think is necessary. But you have to really think, okay, I'm I'm going to jump into screenwriting. Allow yourself to learn the craft. Allow yourself the time and the iterations to learn the craft of it. If I... If I said to you, you're going to take this glob of molten glass at the end of a stick, and I want you to make a, a, a goblet, a glass goblet, you'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know how to spin this. I don't know how to put it in the thing. It keeps, I don't know how to do any of this. What color? Like, there's so many layers of craft involved in glass blowing, right? That you don't think you, of course, you'd be like, that's insane. But for some reason with writing, people think, well, you just do it. And it's like, no, not really. It's as complex as glass blowing. Like it can be that complex and a layers and layers and layers of skill and craft. So give yourself time to learn it. Like literally I'm talking a year or two. Um, if you're thinking I need right now to go and sell my script and I've never written a script before, maybe, listen, I'll never say never. But odds are you're going to have some craft to lose. And honestly, even if that you won the lottery and you wrote three drafts and you sold it, you're going to be out of your depth in terms of what's coming at you and the notes that are coming at you and because you don't have the skill set. So it's okay. Take some time, learn the craft, know what the basics are. And I thought today we could just go over what you know what Lorraine and I mean by basics. And so what you need to learn, like the very first thing to learn is what is the difference between a situation and a story, right? Like, do you understand that this is just a pile of situations happening or it's actually become a story and that the story has uh, an engine and the story has motive and the story has relationships and it's evolving and every sequence, every scene is there for a reason, Right. Um, and that is a huge delineation. We could do a whole show on that. So that's one example of a basic thing to understand the difference between a situation and a story. Um, and, you know, yes, we all want someone to read our script and say, this is a movie. Well, that's what that means. But when somebody says this is a movie, it means you took an idea, a situation, a series of events and turned them into a story that is worthy of a movie. It's worthy of hundreds of people coming together, right? And paying all this money because it's not just a, sing a singular idea. You know, when I came on to Inside Out, Pete Doctor sat me down and said, you know, we're on our, I can't remember if it was the second or third screening and people are walking out still saying it's a good idea. And that terrified him because by that point he wanted them to be saying 
this is a movie, and they weren't. It was still just an idea, a good idea. He hadn't found the story yet, which is what I came on to help him find. Um, so like, how do you get there? How do you get to that um, difference between a, an idea or a pile of situations and a story? For me, that's what I call a story engine. And these are kind of the basics I want you to learn and dive into and take the time to try different things and learn. Like you need to understand theme and thematic. And I don't mean, well, it could be a social theme in your in your in your script, of course, but I'm talking more of an emotional thematic. That is the arc of your character. What are they learning? What is this about? This is the lava, people. This is the why are we why are we why are we here? Why am I hearing this story? You you need to understand how theme tracks through on that character arc. Like on Inside Out, you've got a ton of fun situations, right? That are super fun to come up with. Like we can go to dream productions. We can oh, we can get there could be a crazy clown in some scary land or um what if the train falls or you know that those are all fun fun situations and i'm not at all saying those aren't necessary you can have a whole week days months of just coming up with fun fun situations to put your character in and those are necessary but i promise you somebody is going to ask why is this in the movie why does your character need to go get find a scary clown in a in a part of the mind why why is that important for her journey that she do that that's just a situation it's it you know and sometimes you want to say as the writer because it's super cool and it's funny and it'll be scary and it's really entertaining and that's very valid and they want that too don't get me wrong they do because if you don't have any of that they're going to ask for it but what we're talking about here is those are situations what is the story? The story is joy. The story is joy's journey. Where does she start and where does she finish? And to, and it's a transformative journey in this case. So how do I get her from where she starts to where who she's going to be and what she'll realize at the end? Well, in order for joy to realize you don't keep sadness away from Riley, you sadness is the answer. That's a huge shift, right? So I have to put her through all of these different events because it happens to be a road movie in this case um with emotional relationships in order to get joy to wake up right so now there's a reason yeah okay the reason she's meeting a crazy clown is because it's super fun but also because of how she's working with sadness in that part and what sadness can bring to that moment so it's very specific who's saying what and why they're saying it or the beginning of it's super fun to begin the movie with Ronnie Del Carmen's beautiful drawings of the screen and the baby and joy coming out of the darkness. And, you know, that's all Ronnie Del Carmen. My job as the writer in that moment while Ronnie Del Carmen is pitching this incredibly beautiful situation is to say, and then as soon as joy says, it's me and Riley forever, sadness steps in and goes, Bleh. right? Because that's the story. The story, the situation is Riley and Joy together, and we love it, and that's super hard, and you got to earn that relationship too. Riley's the prize. But the story is immediately sadness ruins it because this is Joy's problem. Joy has a problem. Now I have to convince the audience that that is also a problem, right? This is also part of your job as a writer. I have to believe what the character believes. So 
why is it a problem that sadness is there? Well, she just ruined this amazing moment with the baby and made the baby cry. So I'm already starting to be like, yeah, but, you know, she's joy. So she doesn't say, hey, get off of there or get mean. She goes, oh, my gosh. Hi. Well, can I just would it be OK? Like she has her own coping mechanism to the problem. So that's how the story starts. The relationship starts. I've introduced a problem. I've introduced a we've introduced a prize, which is this baby. All you know, your opening scenes often are the very last thing you write because it, they usually and can contain the entire movie in them. In terms of those seeds, not always, but they can. Um, and in Inside Out, they do. Um, and so thematically, this movie is about accept sadness that she can connect you. And that's what joy has to do. So to make that happen, I have to create a story versus just situations happening that I don't care or know what, what any relevance of those situations are. And I mean, you can look at stuff like at Avengers where they've got so many characters, but it's still a story because they're tracking every single one of those characters. Each one is arcing, each one, each relationship is arcing. You know, it's pretty incredible at that high story math, right? But other things in your engine. So your engine is theme. It's what's the world? What world are we in? You know, you have to think, have a think about that. And that's something to master, how to describe a world, how the world is reflecting your main character. Why are we in this world? Why is this the right world for this main character or these relationships? What is your tone, which can also be genre, right? What is what what are you going for here? We could do a whole show on tone. But, you know, what genre are you doing? Do you know it well? Um, who is your main character? Often I am surprised sometimes when I'm helping up somebody with their script and they tell me who the main character is. Um, do they have an emotionally relatable goal and plan? Is there conflict to that? I mean, sometimes that's the most basic thing that we all forget, even as pros, which is what does your character want and what is in conflict with that? Like that is it. That's it. Um, and, you know, what's forcing them into action? What in, you know, and what's their impossible goal? The more impossible the goal, the more fun and places you have to go, right? Because I don't know how it's going to happen. Suddenly I'm leaning in. You've set expectation because I don't know how they're going to possibly get that goal. So already we're engaged, right? If the goal doesn't feel that impossible, you're kind of like, okay, well, I you could just get on the bus and go get the dog. I mean, what's the, you know, like, what, you're not going to be in the story anymore. Um, so that to me is a story engine and why, if you're a beginner, I want you to start learning about those main uh, craft things to do and to learn by writing lots of scripts without them, because that's how you figure out that what you're missing. And I'm sorry to say, but that's mostly how your brain is going to learn. Your brain is going to learn because you're going to write an entire script. And this happens to me almost every time in my first draft. And then you're going to get the note. She has no agency. What's her want? And then you're going to be like, oh my God. I, you know, that often that's how you learn and how your brain is going to learn is through iteration and not doing it. And then you're going to do it in a rewrite and see the effect. And your brain's going to go, oh, Oh, that's really good. I I get that. Um, we get this question a lot, like, how do I layer when I'm rewriting? Like, you want to do a character pass. You want to do a this kind of pass. And and it's more like, you think you're doing it right. You're writing it. You're doing the rewrite. And then you finish it and you go, oh, shit. Like, I didn't I do don't, it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it, right? But I, I don't really look at it like, this is the pass where I'm going to, like, make sure the theme tracks. 
you know, I'm like, this is the past where I put the character want in it. Okay. That's all I need to do to fix this. And then I do all the things I need to do when I write it. And then I get to the end. I'm like, well, fuck the, the theme is not clear anymore all of a sudden, you know, and then the next is like, okay, I'm going to do the theme, but it's not me thinking about layering or this is rewrite number eight. And it's this part of the process for me. It's just continuing to like, well, geez, ah, ah, you know, like that's what I sound like when yeah. I write by myself, just in case everybody <laughs> wanted to know what the soundtrack of me is. So, yeah. So to the beginning yeah. emerging writers, this process we're talking about will happen every script you write forever. It doesn't matter how much you're being paid or, but especially in the beginning, um, you just have to to attempt it. And if you can have a class so that you know the basics that you're attempting, again, I'm never saying there's rules or you have to, but if you can learn the basics, you at least know the rules you're breaking. If you don't even understand the rules you're breaking, I promise you the people reading your scripts will know the rules you're breaking. And if, but versus you can say, I am articulating this in a seven act structure because of this reason, because it's the only way for this character story to work I would nobody will care, but it has to be articulated and understood in a deep way. And that's just basics. Right. So I always encourage people to learn the basics, you know, and then in terms of process, I'm still I still want you to do barf drafts, even if you're a very beginner um, emerging writer, um, because you need to find your unique voice, too. Right. So it's you, you're learning the craft um, and the basics of that craft and then also trying to get your unique voice in there. And, you know, if you have to pick one or the other in your early drafts, I'd always go for voice, right? If it's breaking the structure and you don't know if, <laughs> how to do it anymore, but that voice is so clear, that is the goal. That's the thing everybody's looking for. People can teach you structure. They can teach you craft. They can't teach you voice. There's just no way to do it. I was working as producer once with a young writer and everything was at a high quality of craft, but it was just flat. And I, I can't teach him voice. You know, I can be like, go see this movie and go see that movie. And that doesn't work. You know, like, who are you? Um, so voice to me is and being so personal to you and you being in there is the most important thing. I do want to say something about voice. So when I started writing many, many, many years ago, my voice was always very strong in it. And, you know, I took, I took playwriting classes in, in college and I took tons of classes. I got my, you know, my MFA in playwriting and I finally, you know, I put on plays. I had a theater company. I did the whole thing. And my voice was always very clear. That's a Lorian piece of work. When, when I got to Pixar, I finally started to understand what three act structure was in a movie. Right. So my craft is continuing to develop, but even now I'll get feedback. Like your voice is so strong and what it can do is uh, distract if the craft isn't there. So I have to work extra hard to try to figure out what isn't working and ask the right questions because it's, uh, and I get the, you know, your voice is so great and strong and it's like, that's amazing. However, it won't be a, a real movie or a real TV show. It'll just be like my voice. So yeah, you, it is a balance. Yeah. You have to have yeah. both. You have to have the underlying structure craft, but that, the voice that you're using to yes. get to the voice and, and they will want this, both. Yeah. I'm yes. not saying this. Like I have such a strong voice. I mean, I guess I, you I, do. Oh my God. I do have please. a strong voice, you but do. it means that I have to, I have to work on craft in a way that I, at some point I was like, ah, I don't, maybe I don't have to work as hard, but I, there's a lot I didn't learn. And I feel like I'm 
learning and relearning and trying to really apply that now because I that was a crutch for me. Well, you know, there can be extremes on either end. So uh, I've worked with people who have such high, strong craft, but no voice. And then they can't figure out why their stuff isn't getting picked up or made, right? They're so good, like you don't even realize why doesn't this work because every craft th- box is checked. It's just, I don't feel anything. I'm not. And, or the other side, which is it's all voice. It's all voice. And like, I worked with a a guy once, boy, his voice is so strong, just so strong. But I, 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 I said to him, you know, for your next project, just as a writing exercise, could you do a genre movie? Because he's so indie, he's so far indie, you know, and he's saying to me, how am I going to make a living? And I'm like, I don't know, because this like is so, it's so just voice, right? Um, and it was hard. That was a hard thing for him to contemplate because it, it takes an incredible amount of craft to do genre. Everybody's like, poo-poo genre. Are you kidding me? To do voice inside of genre is the gold ring. It is the hardest thing to do. You also will actually make money as a writer because you have so both funny. of those things. These The project that I abandoned and we just re-pulled up is genre. But I had no idea how to execute it when I wrote it. And and even rereading it, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing in this? Right. Like it. it but well, you it, have to learn the genre you're doing. Yes. Like I've said so, I'm going to do this horror movie. I got to go yes. figure out horror. So th- th- there's a lot of work to be done. So, again, we're talking about these are layers and layers and layers. It takes some time. And why I always say to emerging writers, especially, is just think of it this way. It's quantity over quality. Honestly, it is in the beginning. You just have to write a fucking shitload and just write as many pages as you can and expect it to be just okay to shitty to moments of greatness. Like that is, first of all, that's his writing. But, um, you know, you can't expect the quality to be there already. You have to learn it. Let's go back to the the, the glass blowing. Like, come on. If I even taught you all the craft of glass blowing, I promise you, your cups are going to be awkward and sideways. And there's some beautiful voice in the fact that it is that way. Right. There's some rawness to that. Um, but you just have to write and write and write. And like in your mind, if you want to be a screenwriter, I think you have to write minimum three different scripts at least three times each just to really start being able to forget all the all the other stuff and just for it to become music inside of you. Right. And even then, I'm sorry, you're going to still have to do all the hard. This doesn't work stuff. But, you know, and then in terms of process, people ask us a lot about contests for emerging writers. I think contests are great for validation, to be seen, to be read, to be part of the 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 milieu of it. You know, like when we go to Austin and all you guys get to meet each other. And that's just I think that's really great. I do think that um, I think that I, I like the contests that include mentorship or somebody actually reading your script and having a meeting with you versus because I want you to get as much feedback as you can get and learn this craft and where those blind spots are. Um, But also just you should have support. So that support could be in a class, which we're saying you should take. You'll meet people there, some sort of writing group. We'd love you to have. They're forming on the Facebook page. Mentors, if you can find them. It could just be somebody, another writer further down the path than you, right? They've already written like four or five scripts. That's a good person to know. 
they're going to have some view. They're further down the trail. They have a different view than you. Um, so those are some of the really just some basic beginner stuff. Where do I start? You start by learning craft. It's quantity over quality for a, for a long time. Just give yourself a break on that front and, you know, have your support around you uh, in terms of people to read and tell you to keep going and, you know, come to Austin and and meet all your peeps. <laughs> I wanted to add about writing and writing and writing and working on your craft. What what was and is hard for me is I like external validation and I want someone else to tell me if it's good or not. Mm -hmm. And so writing, writing, writing at the beginning, because I didn't know craft, I had no idea if it was good or not, or if I was learning my craft or not. And, you know, I didn't have, I hadn't met yet Meg yet. I hadn't met a lot of other writers who I felt I could trust with my work, but I was so craving showing it at the same time. So I got this really bad habit of just writing the barf draft. It's done. And I would show it to somebody or enter a contest. And of course it wouldn't go anywhere um, because it wasn't good enough or didn't, wasn't as good as the other one. So there is a piece that's really hard to wrap your brain around as a beginner. I have to write and write and write and write and write but I have no one telling me if I'm on the right track or not because I don't know the craft well enough to decide if I'm learning it enough. So that's why it's so important to find other people. But in the meantime, don't do what I did, which is just stop writing. Keep going. You will learn it in practice. Read scripts. You will, like, you will learn it in practice. You will start. We all have a sort of natural understanding of story and you will hit places where you're like, oh, I get it but it is in the many, many terrible versions you're going to write. And all the crap you're going to try. External. Like, okay, what yes. if the wrong, I have the wrong main character and the character main character is actually the dog. Okay, what would that be look like? Like you have to really be ready to iterate and iterate. It don't have to write a whole script with the dog as the main character. Just do a writing exercise. Really, I mean, this is what Pixar taught me. You just got to go out there, man, and try stuff and just try crazy stuff because you start to understand story in a really um, deep way. And Lauren, you said something else that's so important, which is, you know, when I first started in this business back in the olden days, it was really hard to get a script. Like you basically had to work at the agency or know some friend who worked at the agency to ever get those scripts. Now you can get them. To read, you mean? Yes, get, you get should be reading them. It's like music on a page. So if you're doing a certain genre, read on the page those genres because those execs are expecting that genre to read like that on the page. You, Your voice will read differently. So I'm not saying imitate. But again, like music, just to know that kind of base, you know, and as executive, that's really how I learned story because I had to read five to 10 scripts a week. So, you know, you, you just goes in your brain. Um, uh, and I learned story as an actor being on stage, trying to figure out what everyone else was doing and their parts too. And like being a partner. So I learned that when you're writing characters, they have to have a connection and a relationship with the other people in the story, it can't just be the solo one act show or no, you know, not for me anyway. That example probably didn't make a lot of sense, but I did learn story in theater, even though I didn't learn three act structure until I got to Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> All of this is scary and overwhelming, even for me listening to it, right? Like, oh, right. I have work to do on every single script if I want to continue to develop my craft and, and, 
make my voice as pointed as it needs to be in each genre and in each character. It's a lot what what we're talking about here. And like, I love the glass blowing of it. That TV show that you introduced me to, the reality TV show, but the yeah. glass blowing. <laughs> and I have these experts and they're just like falls down at the very last minute. Like it's perfect. It and crack. then it just crack, it cracks. And all of this, and I just, you know, we acknowledge this a lot on the show, but I just think it's worth like, doing it again. Like, it's hard. It's worth it, but it's challenging in so many ways, and it's so easy to get discouraged. So please don't. Please no, don't get discouraged because we need your stories. But this is the the the... This is the requirement if you're going to be an artist and a vessel for the stories to come through you, which is got to learn the craft so the story can come through and be received. You can learn this. It's not magic. It's not you have to be born a certain brain in order to do this. There is a path. There is basic craft that you can learn and stand on firm ground and it will happen. I can guarantee you, you will learn it if you try and really push yourself sometimes out to an edge, right? But, and you iterate enough times, you will learn it. Cause I started exactly where you are in terms of, oh my God, it can't be me. I don't know any of that stuff. Right. Well, then you just, you learn it. You can learn it. I See, for me, I find that exciting. I don't find it overwhelming. I, it takes the overwhelm and puts it into manageable pots. <laughs> I That's find just how it my brain works. Because I thought it was magic. I grew up and still a part of me believes that it is magic. Not that I was anointed or any of us were chosen, but that that it that you either that whole thing of you either have it or you don't, which I now know is trash. Right. But but emotionally, psychologically. So I have to work extra, extra hard to make the effort to read a screenplay, to do the research, to break something down. And I'm always fascinated by it and curious about it. But I, I, my belief system around it, which is why I find it so scary and hard because it's, it's um, everything we're talking about craft and multiple drafts. It sort of stabs me a little in my belief system um, that uh, it's not magic. Because I want to believe it's magic and that I am magic so well, much, you know, magic can happen. Magic can happen like that is when you're writing and all of a sudden the character is so dialed in. You're so in the story. They just start moving and I don't even know where she's going yes. and she's yes. taking over like that is why I do all of this. And I get discouraged get if it moment. doesn't happen. I get discouraged like I want the magic all the time, which I know is a false belief it's, system. Yeah. So that's why for me, when I talk about this is hard and it's a struggle and it's a challenge is because it's, what is it? My operational theme is that I should be magic all the time. Which is <laughs> so not then possible. I, Jeff, you're shaking your head. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just nodding. I so agree. And I think like one of the things to remind ourselves is like the thing that's especially strange about writing is all of the beginner stuff is also the advanced stuff. Like it's all kind of one thing. And in yeah. a way, like we just brought Javi on the show and I don't know if that episode will have aired not yet, but um, he, we, he has this beautiful essay about the basics of screenwriting, but of course, like the final thesis statement of the essay is kind of like, these are the advanced mechanics of screenwriting. Like, and every writer we bring on talks about every new draft. You have to ask yourself, what is writing? It's, you sort of feel like a beginner every time you ap approach the blank page, no matter how much experience you have, 
And I don't know if that's that's, because we're creating something out of nothing. Right. Exactly. Out of of literally nothing. There is nothing there except this thought in your head. Uh, Yes. Every uh, it's a really well observed point that everything we're talking about, you have to go back and redo every time. Now, as you get more advanced, you go faster. You jump to things. Your skill set at being able to get it on the page Uh in an emotional way, in an entertaining way, in an exciting way, knowing like music, when to come in, when to go out. Okay, this is actually all backstory. That doesn't have to happen. You know, do I even need any of this? You go quicker, right? Um, but you're still doing it all. You're still doing it all. Um, but think about it. Glass blowing. they're doing the same thing they had to learn as beginners. They're all of the same techniques. It's just what they can now do with it. And that they, they've mastered uh, some of those techniques, right? Um, I don't ever feel mastery, honestly. <laughs> I shouldn't admit that, but I kind of just always slog through and I cannot wait for inspiration. I love writers who are able to wait for inspiration. I cannot. I get inspired by doing the work. I never wake up and go, I'm inspired to write today. I always go, I gotta, gotta write. I gotta write. And I sit down and I write until poof, there it is. It's I'm starting to be inspired again. And this she's taking starting to take over. And a Which lot is of the times pitfall of believing in magic. If you believe yes. in magic, then you wait for inspiration and then you want every writing sit down experience to be, be like magic. they're doing it. And then you want it to end in this glorious, wonderful world exploding kind of piece of work when you might have some magic in there. And there might be, then it's adding, you know, it. it's really complicated and hard for me to be a writer and have this belief system. And I am trying so hard to not do it, but that's about discipline, right? Discipline. Yeah. And it just, you just have to do it anyways, right? Until your yeah. brain starts to see, oh, it's okay to be sitting here without magic. I have like, written so to, many it, non-magical things. Yeah. It just so has many. to be <laughs> at some point. And the yeah, it never gets easier, but um. And here's the other the other weird thing is your brain like a dream is starting to plant things that really don't feel like magic and they might even feel bad. Like this character is so flat and boring, but some part of you is like that character has to be in the, I just, I don't know why, but they have to be there. And I don't even know how to write them. The dream metaphors are getting, and so you might not think that character's magic. You might think that character shows you as a hack and yet as you start getting feedback and you start answering the questions, you realize, oh, it's all sitting over in that character. And I have to be brave enough to go fully articulate them. You know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily can judge, especially in early drafts or early skill set, what's coming up in the dreamer and why. Your dreamer knows, but you don't have access to that. So you also have to trust the dreamer. Why is it there? And if I walked up to you and said, I want to cut that, I want to cut that character, I want to cut that location, would it still feel like your story? And if it does, then maybe it can go. And if it doesn't, you're like, no, I that does then the story, it's not the story. Okay, you got to dig deeper, right? But that process of what is this, right, is just a process you're going to do over and over and over again, though your skill set will get quicker. Yeah. I think one of the pros of me starting out as a sort of magical thinker is that I absolutely trusted myself when I wrote. I just wrote it and I trusted that it was great because I am magic, right? And then came the rewrite, which is where I fell down. So my, so- So I, funny, I you and I are opposite. Yeah. Yep. Completely uh-huh. opposite. Yep. 
I totally don't believe my magic. I totally believe just. Oh, uh, I mean, I don't believe my magic <laughs> at the same time. Don't get me wrong here. Like it's a very complicated place in my head, but the writing me as, as a writer, I have some special thing and I trust it so much. But then when I look at it from the 30,000, like the far away point of view, I start to like doubt and then the rewrite gets very scary. And that's when I desperately want external validation of like what's working, what's not working, which is again, something only I can decide at that early level. So that's the piece that I have been working on for the last several years that I'm getting very, very good at. Better, better. I'm not very good at it. I'm better at it, which is trusting myself through the entire process, which is learning craft, I think. Yeah. And I think just trusting the process too. I, the thing that's scary about the myth of the magic writer is when inevitably you run into hurdles or problems in your work, the lie you tell yourself is I'm not talented or I don't have it. That's what gets scary for me is you you have this first draft that feels great as it's coming out. And then either you see it or you're getting notes that are pointing out where your magic self failed you. And all of a sudden you think like, I'll never make it in this career. I should just bail. And that's the lie that I think causes so many people to hop off of the train um, when you just have to trust the process of rewriting and kind of dredging it up and just grinding because that that's writing. I think. Yes, because everybody, even these, um, the gods who can just supposedly have won multiple Academy Awards, trust me, their first drafts also don't work and have huge problems. But they, the difference is they stay and they go again and they trust that there's a story in here. You know, and that's when I'm always like, well, you better stay because that character chose you. And what aren't you looking at? Why is this not being communicated? Whatever you feel, whatever the dream is in you, they're not getting it on the page. They're not getting it. There's a blind spot. You're hiding somewhere. You've got the wrong genre. Who knows what it could be, right? That's that you got. There is a way to think of it as fun. Like how how do you fix this? I don't know. I am a story junkie. I love taking a story and talking to a writer and trying to figure out how to fix something. It's just what I like. All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining. We've decided to take your questions as part two of this episode. And the questions are about being an emerging writer, but they're also about where do you start your writing? Where do you start? What's the beginning of your story? How do you get going? So we're going to do that next week in part two. So remember, in the meantime, keep writing and you are not alone.